What is your name? Uh, my name is Aogu Shimasaki. Okay, and where are you from? Uh, born in Japan, but I、uh, grew up around the world. I can't really say where exactly I'm from. From everywhere, basically. And where are we speaking? We are speaking here in Catalonia. It's a region in Spain.、Um, we're up on the rooftop of the house that I'm living in. It's a little cabin,、uh, kind of a getaway place that I've created for myself. Yes. So you're renting, you were renting a room below in, the, in a normal apartment,、mm-hmm. but you found yourself literally the room where the water tank is. Yes, well, I, I like the fact that I can make noise here, I can play music, practice, sing without having to,、uh, without um, annoying anyone. And also, I love the, the view from the window, and I、I'm、quite like this feeling of being on the mountaintop, hermit like. Uh, area. It just gives me a, a lot of peace and tranquility. And are you able to say actually which city we're in?、Um, you well, don't have to. It's kind of tricky. We're in a town called Cabrera de Mar, but we're right on the border with Vilasar. Some people say it's Barcelona, but Barcelona is also a little bit far, far away. It's, it's kind of somewhere in the village. Okay. On the countryside, yes. Well, I've come here especially to interview you because I'm very interested in what you're doing as an instrument maker.、Mm-hmm. So I met you once in the summer, this summer in 2021,、mm-hmm. and you told me that you have a cooperative、mm-hmm. of instrument makers. Yes. So could you tell me about how that idea started, please? Sure. Let me just close this window because there's somebody mowing the grass. Sure. Perfect.、Uh, yeah, the idea started.、Um, well, I think, I think humans are all very social creatures, no? We, we need a lot of interaction. And, we,、um, and I notice how a lot of violin makers become moles, basically. They, moles. Like they, they have their workshop and then they, they work on their own. They're very solitary creatures, like moles. Oh, actually, that's a Japanese expression, moles. Yeah. So, but at the same time, you see a lot of workshops that has a, has a boss,、uh, workers working for their bosses,、uh, a kind of a hierarchical structure. And the idea came in that I felt very uninspired working for a boss. And I felt very uninspired just working for my, myself because.、Uh, And the, the times that I felt most inspired, where I did the best work, where I learned, was when I did projects together with friends, people who were on the same level as I am, who, where we talked eye to eye, where we exchanged ideas. And this was when the, the first idea of a cooperative started.、Um, and then the. The whole physical idea of how this came into being was when I met Elia, a friend of mine, also a violin maker, who had this idea for a long time. And it just came at the right moment. And we thought, like, wow, okay, we have the similar ideas. Let's get together and、uh, form a cooperative. So you told me that you were 16 when you left school, and at 16 you knew you wanted to be a violin maker. I can't really say if, like, If the idea was really strong, like it was strong enough to, to pursue it. Of course, I never had any idea of what, what this whole journey was gonna take me to, but it was kind of a direction that I had that I was interested in. I never tried it, but、um, 
it, it did have a, a strong impression in my mind. I remember my, my mom bought a, a little uh, picture book, a photograph book of a violin maker somewhere out in the wilds in America. And I used to read that as a, as a kid. And there are these pictures of um, these wood shavings falling off from the workbenches, this classic with a uh, with a sheepdog underneath gets covered with this this wood shavings, and I thought like, wow, that's a that's a really beautiful image, and somehow that sticks as a kid when you're seven years old, and then this whole thing of woodworking music um, combined came came to me, and I thought like, well, okay, it's it's worth a, worth a try, and then I just met the right people along the way, who pushed me in the right direction, and here I am. So which country did you leave to go to Leeds where you first started your education? I left the uh, Philippines. I was living in Manila, um, the, the, the biggest city in the, in the Philippines, with my family studying in a school there. And you went to Leeds. What a contrast. Yes. I originally wanted to go straight into violin making, but there's not many schools where you can enter as a, as a 16-year-old. So... I had a chat with my family and they said like, well, why don't you study music first? Um, and and then I found a few schools in England where you can enter as a 16-year-old, kind of a, a higher education of sort. I applied to three schools, I got into one. The other two I failed. <laughs> and it was so, while you were at the school to study how to play the violin yes. that you met a violin maker who taught you. Exactly. I went to see a concert um, and I was uh, I was quite captivated by the, the the soloist who played there. So after the concert, I went behind stage and I and I bothered the soloist. And I was like, hey hey, that was an amazing concert. Thank you so much. And uh, by the way, your violin sounds amazing. Like I wanted to be a violin maker, you know that that kind of thing. And, and I think he just wanted to get rid of me. So he's just like, oh, you know, are you you want to be a violin maker? I know a violin maker here. Let me introduce you to this guy, who's called Shay Allen, an amazing. Irish violin maker is super friendly, well, as, as all Irish people are. I went up to him and I introduced myself and I said, hi, uh, I, I, I would really love to do what you're doing. And could you teach me how? And he told me to come like, okay, well, next day, just come over to the workshop. We'll do a little test. If you're apt, if you have aptitude for the work, then we can maybe do some classes. And that's when I started a one once a week class making violin with him, and it took me four and a half years to make my first violin, actually. And were you with Shay Allen for all that time? Yes, yes. We I was doing um, uh, studying music, just playing violin, and then once a week I would go to his place for three four hours a week to make the violin, and he taught me just one on one how to make it. And was that and four and a half years? That was four and a half years to finish just the woodworking of the thing, yeah. That shows commitment. And what did you do after that? Where did you go? After I studi- finished studying, I, I wanted to go to Newark School of Violin Making. I didn't have enough money, so I went back to Japan to work in a factory for a year. So uh, just uh, going to the factory, doing a line job. Um, and, then, uh, and then once I got enough money and funding, I, I went back, applied to the school and uh, passed a little test, just brought my violin actually, and that got me into the school. And then, uh, and then it was four years in Newark where I met amazing people, friendly guys, um, made a lot of contacts, and that's when I realized like, okay, this is what I really want to do. Yeah. So you're 34 now? 
I'm 34 now, yeah. And you've been doing it since you were 16? Yeah. So in that time, have you always been working with instruments? Yeah, doing something with instruments, uh, either playing the violin or making instruments, yeah. And so could you tell me how you got to this point where you're at now, where you're actually in this city and you've met the two other men that you're going to be working with? Yes, so um, in Newark, Newark was a special school. It's a school where the teachers don't really teach you much. So you learn a lot from the other students. There's a lot of projects where you make violins together with friends. And that's where you kind of create this bond between friendship. And then also you realize that it's possible to work equally with people and that it's fun, it's inspiring. And that's where you actually learn because everybody takes equal responsibilities. You know, nobody's telling you what to do. And I think that's where this idea of a cooperative developed in my mind, in Elia's mind, in in uh, Emilio's mind. Emilio is the third guy who you haven't met yet. And then we all went our separate ways. Uh, Emilio and Elia worked in Paris doing instrument making. I went to Berlin to do restoration and all worked under different bosses, all suffered under different bosses, learned a lot, but uh, we realized that's not really the way we wanted to go. Like we can see where it leads to. If you want to be rich, you can get rich. If you want to have massive customer base and be successful, you, you can't do that. But we realized it didn't really bring much happiness to the people we were working for. And then you start thinking, okay, what's, what's missing? You know, what is it that brings us happiness and inspiration into what we do? Like, and, uh, and that's when we realized, okay, we have to create a different way of working, different way of sharing knowledge and inspiring people and get rid of this hierarchical structure of of this um of of, of working and uh, that's that's around the time when i heard of elia's project of opening this cooperative and i thought like i, I can really resonate with that idea i want to know more about it and i contacted him and we talked with emilio who was also um talking a lot with elia about this project and what's interesting is how Emilio and Elia knew each other from Paris. They were climbing together, they were living together. So they, they, they already had this idea formed. Emilio moved to Berlin where I was. And that's around the time when my climbing partner left. And I, I really needed somebody to climb with. And that's when we made this bond like, okay, Emilio, I need a climbing partner. You're an amazing climber, let's, let's do this together. So twice a week we were climbing, having beer after the climbing session talking about our or well, bitching about our bosses <laughs> and also exchanging ideas that uh, a lot of workshops are very secretive of their ideas um, and you're not technically allowed to share these ideas with other workshops but we were doing that all the time between between friends who were working for different bosses and we and I realized that I learned so much from my friends that I would not be able to do if I became a boss in a workshop in a city you you kind of already close your doors so that's the that's kind of the environment where uh where this idea kind of formed and then we talked about where to do it well like how why catalonia why not belgium where emilia's from why not why not japan where where i'm from and the decision to come to catalonia was half practical but quite emotional actually 
we're all emo emotionally connected to this country. We came here many times for holidays, mostly for rock climbing holidays. So we would go to the mountains, we go swim in the sea. We had friends here. It's close to to Barcelona, where there's a lot of music and culture. It's close to Elia's family, who's uh, who's been taking care of us for pretty much the whole time. And it just seemed like the right place to start. Yeah. And could you tell me about Elia's parents' house that you're using as a workshop? Yes. So, <laughs> so when I arrived a year ago, like uh, neither Elia nor Emilio was here. <clears throat> I just came from Berlin. We were supposed to start a cooperative, but they were still on their journey around the world. So I arrived, and and Elia's family basically took care of me. They they just took me in, fed me, said, "Okay, Algo, you're gonna be our son, and your this house is yours. Basically, do whatever you want." They live in an amazing house. Um, it's kind of an antique fisherman's house that's been kind of re-renovated. Uh, I don't know. It dates back a few hundred years, I think. And since the, all their kids have left, they had so many available rooms that they decided to use it to to help support artists. That uh, that was actually the initial plan to have the room available for art projects, like young artists who need a place and to stay and a place to be creative. And that's when we said, like, well, actually. We could do with a space like that, <laughs> and so they were very happy to to give us this room. Elia's father is an amazing cook; makes delicious uh, lunch for us pretty much every single day. And without their help, without their emotional help, their financial help, and providing the space and food for us, we would definitely not be surviving at this time. It's really from the generosity of a lot of people that made this project possible here. Could you tell me how the structure of a cooperative works in what you're doing? So how do you order your daily lives around instrument making? Hmm. The idea of a cooperative, like how it, how it practically functions. It's tricky. Yeah, we, we usually start with a lot of, well, every day there's a lot of talking because if there is not one person telling the other person what to do, how do you make decisions? Decision-making becomes quite quite tricky, right? You have two different perspectives and you have one customer coming in. How do you project the same vision onto the work that you do? Then basically it's, it's a lot to do with communication. So every week starts with a lot of talking. Every day starts with talking about what, what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. Um... And then it's about being very open-minded and allowing the other pe person to breathe, to do what they want to do in the way that they want to do it. And then there's about the aftercare. After the day is done, after the week is done, we talk about things. Um, sometimes when you're caught up in all the work that you do, you forget about looking back on the week. But we found that it's it's really important to look back. Okay, what's the... Uh, what kind of friction did we have? Like, were there any moments where there was a bad energy, where there was misunderstanding, where there was some kind of thing that bothered the other person in the wrong way? Like, maybe Elia put his tool on my bench on this corner, and maybe for him it's nothing, but maybe for me it bothers me a lot, you know? And it's by voicing that, you're not 
accusing the other person of doing something wrong. You're just telling him how you felt. And I realize that it's really important just to communicate uh, how you felt about certain things uh, without being accusative or anything, just expressing how you feel and for the other person to understand that. So we do quite a lot of these talks where, okay, let's have a beer, sit down, let's look back on the week that we had and uh, let's just talk what happened. And we don't take anything personally. We don't accuse anyone of anything. It's just about how you felt about something and how I felt about something. And then from there, we, we talk about what we can do to improve the friction that we had. So right now you said there's four members. The fourth member is in Taiwan right there's, now. There's three official members. Gim is kind of very involved. Um, it's, but officially, he's not going to be part of the cooperative. To, well, when I say officially, I mean to be registered as a cooperative. In Catalonia, there's like a, a, a blanket for being a, a, a cooperative. And there's, a, there's different taxations, different laws that applies to cooperatives. And for a cooperative to be a cooperative, you need at least two people, I think. And then, and then everybody registers in the name. And uh, when I get my visa, I'm still kind of half in limbo at the moment. When I get my visa and my documents sorted out, I'm going to be part of the cooperative with Elia. And when Emilio arrives, he's going to join the cooperative officially. But Gim has different projects of his own. So officially, he's not part of the cooperative, but unofficially, he's very, very involved. So he's a man in the left of the main photograph I took, a panoramic yes. in a workshop. And yeah. he was looking at some, um, what would you call them, blanks? Oh, that's a albuquerque. That's, that's an instrument that they invented. Uh, so Gim and Elia, they've been traveling in this uh, really nice van that they renovated for uh, three and a half years. During that time, Elia, I think, made two violins in the van. They have a small workshop inside the van. And they decided to invent a, a new instrument called the albuquerque. It's basically a ukulele, but for travelers. So it's indestructible. It's very compact. Um, and it's very easy to make. And so they've been designing this for, for a while. They just patented it now. And... And so the our our workshop is being used for well for violin stuff, but also we're we're creating they're creating this albuquerque project. And yeah. you re so you're a skilled instrument maker from scratch, and also a restorer, mm -hmm. and also Elian is as well. I'm probably more specialist in restoration and setup, and uh, and Elia is more into to new making, so making things from scratch. It's a it's a slightly different um, line of work. We uh, restoration is quite a lot about making yourself disappear. Like a, an instrument comes in broken, you fix it, and you fix it in a way that at the end there's uh, it looks like nothing ever happened. So basically, you try not to leave any trace of yourself there. Uh, new making is about expression. Um, about creating something new and uh, for me the the two things are quite quite important I feel like to do good restoration well when I do good restoration I have inspiration for doing new making and uh, the two really complements each other so I like to do a bit of both but I'm more specialist in restoration so how many different types of instrument are you qualified to make 
or, or to repair? Can you work on anything? Um, we're kind of between, well, violin, viola, and cello is our speciality. We do get double basses in sometimes, and we're kind of delving into that field as well because Elia plays the double bass. And it, it is a cool instrument, but the, the whole approach of making or, or fixing a double bass changes. Like I, when you make double basses, you use these uh, um, electronic like chainsaw style chisels. Uh, when you restore a double bass, it's basically like fixing a boat. It's it's very kind of bash it together approach. Um, all the way up to like violins. Violins are, are so much smaller and to restore a really nice instrument, you have to be, be very, very uh, exact. We use these uh, three times magnification glasses to fit certain things. To retouch varnish, we use black light to make sure that um, everything looks good in daylight, black light. Um, choosing the right pigments like all of these things starts to matter it becomes kind of similar to art restoration in that in that field yes and where do you see yourself going in the future what are your plans to grow the business plan is to um well the the other week we did this uh, little tour of barcelona to visit some violin makers there just to introduce ourselves we said like hi we're uh we brought some instruments just uh, have a look and give us some comments criticism whatever you feel like and uh, and I there's one restoration workshop that told us like you know Barcelona is a, a really shit place to be for violin makers because the quality of music is bad all the musicians leave because there's no money and the best artist goes to Berlin to London and if I were you I would I wouldn't come here that was the kind of message that he projected onto us. And I thought, like, well, that's a shame, you know? Um, I think I think there are good musicians here and that there is potential for, like, reinvigorating the music culture here. If you go to a concert, to any classical music concert, you realize that 80% of the population is, like, people in their 60s, 70s, 80s. And I feel like it's such a shame that there's um, there's a very small amount of young people going to listen to classical music concert to well not not just classical music to live concerts in general and i think our vision like long-term vision is to kind of make people more interested in music to to play music to go listen to live music and by 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 helping musicians to to play on good instruments to to give them a bit of a kick into making nicer sound to i don't know to inspire them in some ways would be kind of our job to to make sure that they are comfortable with the tools that they have so they can they can kind of voice their expression in the right way if they can do that then then it will move the hearts of people who listen and then uh, and then it will bring music to barcelona yeah is there anything you'd like to add if I haven't asked you? Anything you feel is important? A message? Generally about life, about the life you are living or the way to look at things? Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I might have to think about that one. I, I, nothing comes into mind at the moment. Because your brother Chikara, who I've interviewed about living in a van in the yes. past, he has some very wonderful visions about how to live as a community. He's a visionary, 
and yes. he's trying to apply that now um, through what he's doing in his life. Um, but I think you come from the same the same background, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we had a similar talk with Chikara. Um, I think that the biggest difference between the ideas that Chikara had and what I had was Chikara believes in leadership. That you need leadership and a visionary in order to make things happen. And uh, the thing that I am beginning to kind of, well, not maybe not believe, but what I would like to, to try out is more of a decentralized way of living or of working. If people have empathy, if people can communicate, um, then the collective can make a better decision. We, we might not get to a destination fast because it takes more time, but, but you might go further. And so uh, I'm kind of beginning to discover this, this, uh, this way of communicating, of working together that is completely decentralized. There is no hierarchy, but at the same time, it's, it's such an inspiring way of being that uh, I'd like to apply that to the way of life in general.